0: Today's episode of the Women's Sports Matter podcast is sponsored exclusively by HAYA. Coaches, are you looking for a better way to communicate with your team? Heya is a simple communication and scheduling app for sports teams. HAYA allows coaches to cut down on emails and texts to save a ton of time on team admin. 180,000 teams have signed up for the app, which allows coaches, parents, players, and volunteers to easily communicate and organize practices and games. Do yourself a favor by downloading HAYA for free by typing H-E-J-A in the app store. Thank you again to HAYA for exclusively sponsoring today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Women's Sports Matter podcast. My name is Mel Castro, and I am your host. Again, I'm still at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City, Missouri. Yes, I'm not home. I, I know. I'm, I'm going home today, actually, so... Yay, cold in Chicago. Woo! I love that so much. But that doesn't matter. This is a time for another interview. And I just love talking to people in the world of soccer because it is my favorite sport. Especially talking to people involved in the world of women's coaching. So, without further ado, here is today's guest. Would you like to introduce yourself, please? Well,
1: first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Becky Burley. I am, was the soccer coach at the University of Florida, um, just recently had a little stint with the Orlando Pride as their interim coach, and now I am a professor at the University of Florida teaching classes for the master's level in high performance coaching.
0: I want to talk to you a little bit about your time with the Orlando Pride interim coaching, and um, That's quite the switch because you're not there for the entire season. And you also opted to not be selected to be the head coach for this season uh, coming up. Why did you decide to only coach at Orlando for a few months?
1: Well, when I went into it, uh, you know, it was definitely a surprise situation. I was on vacation when I got the call. Um, I was pretty straightforward with the management saying that, you know, I really looked at this as probably an interim situation because I didn't really anticipate coaching. Uh, I actually very much enjoyed it. Uh, the players were terrific. Uh, the pro level is is something that I think everyone should experience if they have the opportunity to. But I think for me at this point in my career, like a 10-month season is a really <laughs> long haul. Yeah. I just didn't want to commit to that.
0: I mean, honestly, I was a little surprised when you came in to uh, coach the pride. Mark Skinner left to go to Man United, which – I thought was a fantastic move on his end, Mm -hmm. going over to England. Um, what, what was the first thing that you wanted to do when you became coach of the pride Good question?
1: Uh, You know, first of all, I think with Mark, it was, it was a good move because his family was over there with COVID. It was difficult for them to be together and it just made sense for him to do that. It was unfortunate for the pride because that, that opportunity fell right in the middle of the season. But when I got there uh, I think the biggest thing we try to do is just ask questions of the team, get a feel for what was working well before I got there and what they wanted to continue. And maybe some of the things that, they wanted to tweak and change but uh, you know they, they're a pretty strong personality group and so they definitely offered their opinions which was very helpful and uh, I thought they were very receptive
0: I noticed um, you know the surprise of the year or the beginning of the NWSL season last year was how well Orlando was doing and then at the end of the season uh, falling short with um, some final results from Louisville I think knocking them out of playoff contention Uh, what I want to know like what was your immediate plan when you got there in terms of um, trying to make it to the playoffs because it's difficult to make it when there's only six teams that can advance just want to know in terms of table position what your thoughts on where the team was first when you got there.
1: Yeah, I think we are all pretty disappointed to not make to the playoffs because that was certainly a clear goal going into the season for that team. And, you know, I think the knock that Orlando has had for a long time is the talent that's on the team and why aren't they a regular in the playoffs. But it's not that easy because every team in the end has a lot of talent. Um, and I think a lot of times it's the, you know, the cohesion of the team and how that works is as big a factor as anything. Um, so I think that – When we got there, they were playing quite direct and it seemed like the players wanted to have a little bit more autonomy in the style of play. So we tried to change that a little bit without making like massive changes, Um, but at the same time, like giving them the autonomy that they had asked for. And, you know, that's not, that's never easy. Like when you're trying to to play a little bit against a very athletic league, a team that presses, you know, a league that presses basically. I think there's going to be some growing pains in that. We certainly had our share of that.
0: So with the Pride's new coach, I just want to know your thoughts on her hiring.
1: I'm really excited for Amanda Cromwell because, you know, it's the first time that the Firm League has really attracted a college coach in their prime at a really great job at UCLA. So for her to make that move, I think it shows a lot of confidence in the future of the league and the future of the Olympic Pride. And I think, you know, all of us as former college coaches or current college coaches really need to get behind her and, you know, give her as much opportunity for success as possible.
0: Also, with um, talking about college coaching, in terms of success at Florida, uh, I don't want to – what's the word? You've done so much. I was reading through your stats earlier, and I was like – Damn, that is a lot of achievements. So you coached at Florida, I believe, what, 26 seasons? That's right. Yeah, and you've done a lot with that team. I mean, you've won some championships, some national titles. That must have been, you know, a fun run of 26 seasons, working with many completely different teams and still being able to accomplish at being able to go to championships and um, tournaments with Florida? I mean, you know, it's pretty rare, I think,
1: that you get a destination job in your career. And I was fortunate enough to get a destination job very early in my career. And, you know, getting to be my first-time play coach at an NCAA institution because prior to that, I was in high school at Berry College. Um, going to Florida as the first stop is like, it's like even crazy to think about now. Um, but it was just. Such an amazing time to be part of the athletic association there. It was a pretty young group of coaches. We all sort of felt like we grew up together. Even, even the administration we kind of felt like we grew up together a little bit with them. And um, I, I just am happy to have been able to stay at one place. It was great stability, which also you also don't really often find in coaching. So there's just so many factors. I mean, who doesn't want to live in Florida? <laughs> I mean, uh, so I just, I think I just got really lucky.
0: I've always wanted to go to Florida. I've never been, and people are so surprised. They're like, oh, I'm always going to, like, Disney World or whatever. Like, guys, I haven't been yet. Okay. The Florida weather seems nice. Well, sometimes. You got to deal with hurricanes. We got
1: hurricanes, and we got that freaking humidity in the main part of the college season. Yeah. I mean, you're talking, like, the the summers and then leading into the fall. But then, you know what? You get to, like, October, November – Everybody wants to be in Florida.
0: Has the weather ever been, like, um, a huge part of why people, you know, that you're scouting, the reason that they go there? Is it because of – well, it's got to be because of the history of the program, too. Well, besides that. Yeah, I think –
1: climate plays a role because you can train outdoors year round and people that are serious about their development like that opportunity. Uh, I do think there are some people who get a little scared of the humidity, especially if they're coming from like the West Coast or somewhere where there is no humidity. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I mean, you Know it's a every every place has its pluses and minuses. Yeah. you know, I think when teams step off the bus in August and they get hit by that wall of humidity and they're not used to it, they're like, What the heck is happening? But then, like, you know, if we play in Milwaukee in November, like, <laughs> oh we're
0: god, gonna, like, yeah, give us some layers, <laughs> yeah, all that Midwest weather, it's it's a big yikes. I deal with yikes it a lot.
1: lot. I stepped outside here when I first got here, I was like, Hey, it's, it's cold. it was
0: warmer than it is uh, back home i i left a water bottle in my car the night before i drove to my uncle's house before we went to midway and it froze it was frozen in there yeah (laughs) no i would assume that it doesn't um gotta love florida weather i guess maybe maybe one day i'll go down and and don't go in the summer don't go in the summer go in the winter winter? i don't know if i have time for that (laughs) has hurricanes ever messed with the seasons oh
1: i think that we have we have yet to have a season in florida where there wasn't some kind of either mispractices delayed games changing game schedules because of hurricanes and we had one season um, where i believe we had five hurricanes in the course of a season which was insane
0: so what did you guys do
1: I just felt like we we're always changing our schedule. Sometimes we weren't training. Uh, one time we were trying to get back into Gainesville and there was a hurricane coming to Gainesville. We're just like, OK, this is not working. We had to stop in like Savannah, Georgia or something. I mean, you just have to roll with the punches when it comes to weather. Yes, yeah. especially in training, you know, like it rains pretty much every day in Florida in the summer. So it's probably only going to rain for like 20 minutes. So you just sort of have to get used to weathering the storm, basically. Yeah.
0: So in terms of conference play, the SEC is a pretty competitive conference. All the Power Five conferences are really competitive. I want to know in terms of rivalries, what was the probably the biggest one for you and your team?
1: Well, first of all, the SEC, I mean, there is no better resource conference in the world anywhere than the SEC. And I think that's only going to continue to show itself as we go through all these changes that are occurring with all these conferences. I think one of my favorite games in the SEC was always the South Carolina game. Uh, you know, Shelly Smith has been in South Carolina forever. Always loved playing against her teams. They're really well organized. It's a it's a competition. Like, we're always always competitive with each other. It's, like, really respectful. And that was kind of the same at um, FSU for us. And FSU's not in the SEC, but we played FSU Florida State every year. And uh, people expect the Gators and the Seminoles to hate each other. We just really didn't. Um, you know, we had a very great, respectful rivalry. Uh, set lots of attendance records with either venue, but just kind of fun games that I think fans really enjoyed.
0: I want to learn more about the scouting process. Uh, I was talking with head coach uh, at Michigan about, you know, what her scouting process is like. I, I've i always been like so fascinated with scouting. I don't know why. I just want to know how you, first of all, conduct your searches on who to bring to Florida and what you look for in players
1: well that's a good question because i think there's kind of two ways like there's some kids that pursue you and maybe they are pursuing you because of some connection they have with the university or they've just seen us play and they really admire the environment um and then there's kids that you pursue that maybe they haven't had as much exposure to you and so sort of merging those two groups together and finding the best of both worlds but like for us it was a pretty thorough vetting process i think we went a little bit slower in a lot of places because we really wanted to find the right fit not just on the field like that's pretty easy that's probably the easiest part to see who can fish you on the field but then also seeing who fits your culture and who you know feels like you're going to add to that culture like that takes a little bit longer to discern
0: I want to go back to talking about Orlando. One thing that I thought was really interesting with this past NWSL season is the T-shirts worn uh, pre-match. Mm-hmm. I want to know more about, you know, how that came to be, what the why the players decided to do that. I remember, was it the shirts? Uh, it was something to do with trans rights, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, those were auctioned off, right? That's right. I think, right? Tra- I think yeah. actually
1: all of the warm-up shirts at the Pride wore. Um, each different one was auctioned off uh, to raise money for the foundation. And, you know, I think it's really cool that the players do that because they basically support causes that are like very specific to their wants and desires of what they want to support. So, you know, I remember we had like a mental health matters t shirt and it fell during the month of like suicide prevention. And, and it's not like just a gesture. Like, I feel like the players are really invested in these causes. Uh, You know the the trans shirts that they wore that was a little bit right before i came i think but that you know that support in that community um, for that like the community of team players was amazing it's 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 not just lip service they're actually doing something
0: i thought it was one of the most like genuine actions i've seen by any team in the world of sports in years Uh, yeah and i think
1: that's pretty amazing that
0: these women
1: who are these high performers take time to dedicate to situations that whether it's a direct or an indirect effect, like they're willing to spend their time, energy, and money in supporting those causes.
0: I, as soon as I, I think I saw from just from Twitter, when the admin of the team was posting about um, the lineups or just posting videos from warmups, I noticed it. and I was like, is this just only for one day? And it was like every single game. And I was like, where else do you see that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was pretty unique. And, you know, I think that's something that uh, college teams could probably take from the pros is the advocacy that those pro teams take. And the you know, I know it's harder for like a college student to maybe support them in the same way, but, yeah, we, we, but just we, the awareness the that they created oh, with the t-shirts yeah. was amazing.
0: And in terms of, um, the nwsl this past season there's so many different words to describe it there was a surprise yeah there was a surprise with washington spirit winning the championship something that i didn't expect as a chicago fan um but the coaching carousel is what i'm gonna call it uh i want to know in terms of team atmosphere when all these different crazy hectic things were happening how did you keep player spirits up
1: um, you know i think the most difficult part of the season was when the story broke about paul riley um, and then mona ship come out and talked about that and shanae fairly And, you know, Alex Morgan, who was part of the Pride at that time, was really, like, front and center in that. Like She was on, like, The Today Show and some other very big media outlets talking about that whole situation. And then uh, Monica came down to stay with Alex, so Mana actually spoke to our team directly. Um, And I think it was such an empowering talk because it was basically saying, you know, like, you can't be quiet about important things. And... I know for me, like her, her talk had impact because I think as a woman in the sports world, like we probably all experience some form of disrespect or discrimination. And, and I think a lot of times we don't say anything about it because it's just easier to brush it aside or not deal with it. But I feel like by doing that, especially like those smaller incidents, it's like, it just leads to bigger things happening. And, you know, we're kind of all responsible for the spot that we got ourselves in when we have these two women coming and talking about a very direct um, incident that affected not just them, but other players too.
0: I went to the red stars pride game, the rescheduled one, um, I wouldn't have been able to go the first time it was scheduled, but it was during the week and I was like, oh, I don't have school or work. This is awesome. So I went um, with one of my friends from high school and, you know, to witness the the togetherness of the two teams and wearing those shirts, uh, talking about Kaya McCullough and others that you've mentioned, it's just like, what a moment.
1: And, you know, that whole six minutes that we had of, um, you know, like in the sixth minute, talking about like taking time. I mean, man, like it was a powerful statement, and it was they were so unified. You know, it is it's hard in this day and age to get anybody unified about anything, and so it was great to see not just the individual teams, but the league, the players, to all come together. And then when it starts to sort of even spread to teams in Europe, to college teams like that was really amazing.
0: It, it one of the honestly the best outcomes of that story being published, um, just seeing all of the players come together, even teams from across the the globe, as you mentioned, it was just like, okay, maybe, yes, maybe we are okay. But the one thing that I I didn't like about all of this um, is the fact that all of the major news outlets were covering this moment but they don't focus on other things happening within the league. And I think news coverage, which is one of the reasons why I started this show, um, is so important to spread the women's game just for any sport in general. Um, I want to know what your opinion is on, you know, with all these bad stories happening within this league, what what should these news outlets be doing instead of just covering all the bad stuff?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty deep question because – You know, I think about it, I think about women's sports coverage and I think one of the best case studies we have is collegiate softball. And the reason I say that is because college softball is on, you know, their conference tournaments and their World Series and all of that is happening in like May and the beginning of June. And that's kind of an open TV window time. There's not a lot of other conflicting sports. For example, like with college soccer in the fall, we're going up head-to-head against college football, which is very difficult. And once softball got into this kind of prime time slot, the amount of coverage and the amount of stories and the elevation of these women who are playing softball just came to the surface like this cultural series is sold out you know like they need a bigger venue like all these positive things started happening but it's sort of like the chicken before the egg like the coverage has to occur in order to promote the sport and then people will come but like if you have an event happening and no one knows about it like that's really challenging and i think college softball just shows i think college softball right now is behind football men's basketball and then college softball in terms of the most sports in ncaa well that doesn't happen if they don't get that prime time it's you know that time of the year where they're not having to go up head to head against something difficult and we see that once we put those resources into it people will come
0: i think it also starts on the local level i get frustrated a lot and my family hears me complain all the time but when the sky we're starting to win um in the, the playoffs this past year nbc5 and CBS Channel 2, ABC7, they were all starting to cover the team. They didn't do that during the year when they were just playing regular games. Whenever something major is happening, this is when these teams start to be covered. But when it comes to men's football or baseball, um, it's, it's covered right away. It's just, I, I hate it. Yeah,
1: well, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think there needs
0: to... There needs to
1: be a more equitable situation in terms of coverage of women's sports and men's sports because I think what we're seeing is, you know, jersey sales, um, marketing opportunities, like all of that. Like when it becomes available, people buy it. I mean, how many times have we been like, you know, US women's national team shirts sure sold out? Like, okay, can we like figure out maybe we need to make more? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and I think that that situation is driven by a lot of decision makers who aren't necessarily women and i'm not saying they have to be a woman to make that decision but i think that having more diversity in those groups of decision makers is going to help the overall process of elevating women's sports
0: i want to go back to you know the beginning of it all in terms of coaching What made you decide to become a coach in the first place?
1: You know, I was really in a unique situation at the time because my first coach, uh, my high school coach, was a woman, um, which back in that day, like, wasn't really a thing. Um, And so... I think I was inspired by her. I think when I first moved, I moved from Massachusetts to Florida when I was 10. And I'd never been on a team, never played team sport before that. And uh, I moved into town the year before they started a, a girls team. So, like, I literally moved and the team started, so it was perfect timing. I got into high school, and right before I got into high school, they started high school sports high school soccer players, and so when I went to college uh, my coach was my the first coach I had that wasn't you know like a part-time coach or someone's mom or dad um, and so I actually saw the possibility of being a coach full-time when I went to college and that really inspired me and that's I knew that's what I wanted to do but I sort of had to convince my parents that like that was actually a real job because they just weren't that many people doing that at that time you know and so I think luckily I had a family that supported me in pursuing that and I sort of you know found myself in the right place at the right time but also worked hard to take the opportunities and hopefully like what I can do now is you know create opportunities for more women coaches especially behind me.
0: Title Nine is turning 50 this year um there's a lot of stuff that'll be going on in terms of celebrating that we've got documentaries being made, um, certain celebrations. I want to know um, some of your thoughts on what title IX has done for the world of women's sports.
1: You know, interesting question. Um, the university of Florida is celebrating 50 years of athletics right now too. And so it's kind of coincidental that those two have followed each other, but You know, there's some positives about Title IX for sure because it's given so much opportunity by law to people that would never have had it. But it's also, when you look at the coaching ranks, you know, there were a lot more women coaches coaching before Title IX than there are now. And part of that is because those jobs have become much more high-profile, much better salaries, which has now interested men in taking those jobs. So it has elevated the profession but it has also uh, I think sort of created some competition in the jobs that didn't exist before. I think soccer is pretty bad. Like our percentage of women coaching women's teams is pretty low. And I think it always frustrates me that, you know, you can have a coach who's like, well, I might go coach on the men's side. I don't know. I can't decide. Whereas like, if I wanted to go coach on the men's side, I don't think that path would be as easy um, as a man trying to coach on the women's side. And so I think overall, there's no question that Title IX has been a huge, huge positive for women's athletics in this country. And I'm sure there's a lot of other countries who would love to have that situation. But at the same time, I think it's had some unintended consequences, especially as it pertains to coaching.
0: Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And one thing that, you know, I find frustrating is, you know, it really doesn't apply to college athletics. And I, the one thing that I think of is uh, last year's March Madness tournament for the women's side where the the weight room situation and, and just the disparity between the men's and women's is just uh, incredible I guess is the word I'm going to use um, but at least now they both have March Madness uh, naming for both the men's and women's which is you know a nice step but they obviously could do better.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because uh, they're probably making that stuff because they got caught in that situation. Oh, yeah. They found
0: out about how much money they were losing out on and yeah. they decided, yeah, we're going to, we'll, we'll give you that, you know.
1: But, you know, like one of the things I try to tell the Pride players this year is, you know, the, the league is about to turn 10. You know, the WNBA is like 25, I think, right now. And it's just hitting its stride. I think. You know, I I saw some stat recently about the Super Bowl and it's 10th year. I mean, they had to give away tickets. There was, like, nobody there. Uh, They lost a lot of money. And this is the NFL, you know. And so I think there is this, like, not that we should be satisfied by any means, but there is this part of it, too, that it's a process to develop a professional league. It's a standalone, can financially support itself and all those things. And... Sometimes that's the price we pay for being somewhat of a pioneer.
0: With all that stuff, it is now time for the fun part of the episode. All right, let's do it. The lightning round. Whoa! I wish I had a soundboard so I could have some sound effect for it. Because <laughs> I love the lightning. The lightning round. It's just it's so much random stuff put together oh, in random. one part Let's do um it. my first question that i always ask is if you're listening to an audiobook right now or reading a book or just any book you've read at all what is something that you would like recommend well
1: uh bill Feswick, changing your story he presented here digitally at this con this convention but he has been here live many many times uh, and he's one of my heroes you know he's been such a great partner with the soccer coaches in the United States. And so Changing Your Story by Bill Bezik, it's on Amazon.
0: Interesting, I'll check it out and I'll link it down below as always with all the other resources. I'll get into that later. I wanna know if you were to go back into coaching um, and you had an opportunity to coach overseas, what is a team that you would wanna coach for?
1: you know, I would probably pick that on where I wanted to live. So let's see. I, I mean, I think there's some pretty sweet places in Spain and uh, pretty sweet places in Italy. Like there's, I think that uh, coaching in Europe for a year, living in Europe for a year or more um, would be a great opportunity. I have a friend that's doing that right now and he just finds it amazing.
0: I've always wanted to go overseas to a game. Uh, the fact that the el clasico is sold out for Crazy. the uwcl is just there's there's no words to describe it the just the fact that they were able to do that means the women's great game is growing Totally, they love to see it um would you ever go into broadcasting or commentating future nwsl games or even like college Games.
1: You know, I've done that as a as a guest. I did it actually, ironically, for the pride back when the pride first started. Let me tell you, like the people who are good at that need a huge shout out because that's a lot of freaking work. <laughs> like, I mean, the preparation that goes in and when you think about like doing that, you have to do it for two teams, not just one. And I guess if you were the home broadcaster, you know, you start to get your your own team down pretty well, but you're still having to do it for an opponent every single week. And I have mad respect for the people who do that. Well, like, you know, Jill Lloyd, and Lori, Lindsay, um, some of these women who have been doing some of the soccer stuff. Um, I mean, I love listening to Julie Fowdy on color. Like they're amazing, but that prep is tough. And then when you do a world cup, like how do they do the name pronunciation? I have no idea.
0: Yeah, I just, it takes probably lots and lots and lots of time. Um, I don't know if I have the patience for that. Honestly, I can barely talk on this show as it is.
1: It's a a skill. There's no doubt. And you're right. Probably practice is the best way to get better at that.
0: I would love to know more about, so I am particularly interested in uniform design. Mm -hmm. So if you could design a uniform Uh, it could be for whatever team you want like gators or pride Uh, what is something that you would want to include on a jersey you know what i
1: like is when um teams do like a really alternate random color warm-up shirt for their uniforms. So like I remember this was probably at least two World Cups ago when Japan came out in like the hot pink warm-up shirts. Uh, and you know, clearly not their colors. And I just think that like it's it's a trend now. Like you see, like, you know, Barcelona and all these different teams come out with the, the great alternate kits. And I just feel like there's so much resistance to that in collegiate sports because everybody's like, no, this theater got to be orange and blue. I mean, we used to get a hassle from fans when we wear black. I'm like, black isn't neutral. Like, and so I just think that uh, it maybe takes some of the traditionalists a little while to get used to. But that's what I would do. Try to experiment a little bit with some colors.
0: They probably don't want to look like UCF. <laughs> could, be, could be. They don't. They don't want to look like any of the other Florida teams. That's right. Um, in terms of uh, past players, you know, retired players, is there any player that you wished you would have coached? You know,
1: I, I think that one of my, you know, early heroes in the game was Michelle Akers, and Michelle was in Orlando uh, playing at UCF, as a matter of fact. And I played against her in college a little bit, and that was a woman ahead of her time. I mean, I would just love to see what she could do in the modern game because she was so dominant prior but i think she would be just as dominant now and i think that would be really fun to
0: watch and now she's back in orlando too Oh, that's right
1: new assistant coach
0: everyone was kind of shocked to see that i was like okay
1: crazy because you know there's like a little plaque to her um right outside the facility that we train at so she's gonna like walk by her own plaque like every day
0: (laughs) (laughs) we are like oh i mean this is here i guess so that's nice (laughs) that is kind of weird but it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, having your own plaque yeah. in the place that you train. Yeah, why not? You know, she's done a lot of great stuff for the world Absolutely. of soccer. Totally so,
1: deserving.
0: my final question for you. So, cleats. I'm always interested. This is another design question. Um, cleats. If you could design cleats, whatever brand you want, um, what is something that you would do for the Gators? Because I know they got the, the awesome orange or blue. Well, okay. I
1: have a cleat idea. I have two. Okay. One is, like, I love the all-black, like, Darth Vader-looking cleats. However, as an alternative cleat, I want someone to make a light-up cleat. Really? Like, like, kids'
0: shoes that light up? Yeah. Light-up cleats. Interesting. Why not? And <laughs> game's amazing. That's <laughs> kind of a funny concept. I've never heard of anyone wanting light-up cleats. Hey,
1: then it, it sell. I'm just telling you. <laughs>
0: I mean, I've I've seen like light up Vans, although they were like off brand Vans. You know, I'm gonna need to see someone design that because I want to know what that looks like. Would it be like just like the trim of the shoe, or would it be like all over, like a, like a I disco mean, ball? Think
1: about it like it could be like upon impact, it lights up.
0: <laughs> Every time you touch a <laughs> soccer ball it lights up you
1: know like i was really slow as a player so i'm thinking anything that makes me look a little bit faster which (laughs) is light up please light i'm all on board
0: okay well we got to see you design that in the future
1: (laughs) i'm not sure that that right now there'd be a lot of takers on that um in terms of you know companies that would sign up for that but you never know
0: maybe indoor soccer shoes instead of cleats that's true
1: i'm manifesting it it's coming
0: okay manifesting on women's sports matter light up cleats that look like you know the sketchers or whatever exactly. that's a that's a thing that we'll do <laughs> yeah all right so now is the time for you to plug away okay social whatever you want
1: well i'm super easy to follow my my handle is at Becky Burley. that's a piece of cake um i really highly everyone for everyone to consider looking at uh what that's super easy too and every book that's in the what drives series is now a master's level class at the University of Florida, and I'm teaching it. And it's really fun because it's not just like regular grad students that are 22, 23 years old taking it. I feel like most of the people who are in the class are practitioners who are out leading, coaching, all different sports. And it's just a fun class to be a part of because you just get so many perspectives. So you can reach out to me on social. I can give you more information about those UF classes.
0: Interesting. And I'll link Everything down below, uh right above, I believe it's the resources section. Which speaking of, it's not it's not my time to plug now. I call it my spiel. Plug on. Uh it's it's just I got I put on like a whole voice. I my voice goes up a little bit. I pause for a second and then if you want to follow me on social media, guess what? You can. I'm on three different platforms: Twitter and Facebook. It's the same handle, it's at WSM Podcast, and on Instagram. You can follow me at Women's Sports Matter. Speaking of those resources. We've got a register to vote, vaccinations, uh, vaccine.gov. And let's see, we got NAMI, Trevor Projects, um, NWSLPA. There's other stuff on there, too, that I can't remember off the top of my head, but that doesn't matter because you're going to go look at the resources section because you're a true fan of this show. Let's see. The season is almost over. The season's ending in February. This is a fair warning. I know I've been saying it, but I just wanted to let you know so you don't get madly disappointed in me, because I have to focus on school, okay? So deal with it. Thank you. Anyway, I also have a YouTube channel. You want to watch this episode? Of course you do. Of course you do. Subscribe to the Woman Sports Matter podcast. It That's the name of the, the channel. And we're about 19 subscribers strong, so I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to subscribe. You can also rate my podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give me a review. Tell me how I'm doing. Or you can let me know on social media. That is going to be it today for this episode of the Women's Sports Matter podcast. Make sure you go and follow me on socials, posting content every day, maybe too much. That's going to be it for me. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my time at this convention. I'll see you all next time. Thanks. Bye.